Hi, this is Joseph, the host and creator of Sci-Fi Graveyard, as hosted by The Heart of Geek. Is there a topic that you love to talk about? Would you love to share that topic with millions of listeners around the globe? If so, then you're almost there to starting your own podcast. The only thing you need is Anchor.fm. With Anchor.fm, you can record, edit, and publish your own podcast to the Anchor site and to popular podcasting sites around the world. So what are you waiting for? If you'd like to get started, all you need to do is head to the Play Store on Android or the App Store if you have an iPhone. Start the download and get recording today. Thank you for listening to Sci-Fi Graveyard and on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sci-Fi Graveyard hosted by The Heart of Geek. This is Joseph with Jeremy and Josh, and we're going to continue our trip down Resident Evil way by talking about the second film and the original series franchise, well, original film series franchise, Resident Evil Apocalypse. Resident Evil Apocalypse was released in theaters on September 10th, 2004 in the United States and was produced by Davis Films, Impact Pictures, and Constantine Films. This was also, the film was released through Screen Gems branch of Sony Pictures. The film stars are returning Millie Jovovich as Alice and only Eric Mavis, Mavius, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, through archive footage. The film also stars Sienna Guillory, I'm probably pronouncing that as well, as Jill Valentine, a fan favorite of the game series. And the film also brings in Oded Fair as Carlos Oliveira. I consider him a film fan favorite because I think a lot of people liked him, even though that character was in Resident Evil Nemesis. Uh, and Mike Epps as character in this film as LJ. Uh, the film also in- introduces the film series to Dr. Isaacs, as plays by Ian Glenn. People right remember Oded Fair from 1999's The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser, and Mike Epps from Bait and Next Friday. And the film was written by Paul W.S. Anderson. However, it was directed by Alexander Witt. This was Alexander Witt's first time directing after and after directing Resident Evil Apocalypse. He wouldn't direct another movie for 14 years. And, but however, he did do some... Uh, I'm sorry. He did... I'm misreading my own text. Uh, which, according to IBMDB, his next directing duty after that was a Land Rover promo for the movie No Time to Die. Uh, as with the first Resident Evil movie, the infected were mainly played by professional dancers. They attended a boot camp where they were, where the two cardinal rules were: don't drag your feet and don't stretch out your arms. The trailer of this film was one of the most watched on the internet, with 8.5 million downloads from November 23rd to May 20, to November of 2003. I can't read to May 2004. This is what sucks when you work a long day and then have to like try to function as a human. Um, and a little bit of trivia about Oded Fair. He was actually familiar with, uh, handling guns as he was trained in the Israeli army. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, the nemesis makes his debut in this film and is the fate of the character played by Eric Mavis. As in the last film, he was transferred to the nemesis project. His only dialogue in this film is the word stars. And that's because in this film and in the game, Resident Evil three, he is primarily hunting down the members of stars with him being actually the main antagonist of resident evil three, the video game. But here he serves as more of a henchman for the main antagonist, which I would actually 
Hall is Dr. Isaacs, but uh, Major Kane, the the douchebag, um, uh, the douchebag that deals with a uh, was it Sherry Burke? Uh, I can't remember the name of the scientist. I my brain just Ashford, Doctor Ashford, uh, Doctor Ashford, who who's like watching over him. Uh, this this movie is basically Resident Evil Two, the game, and Resident Evil Three, the game, with Alice thrown in since Alice is an original character to the movies and not from one of the game series. And did you know? And I think we talked about this when we did Star Trek Nemesis. Did you know that Star Trek Nemesis had a plant uh, had a had a hand in the name of this movie <clears throat> knowing that they have the nemesis name other yeah than, uh, <laughs> other than that they would have probably probably named it nemesis i'm sure yeah they were gonna name it star uh, resident evil nemesis but thanks to star trek nemesis nemesis being released in 2002 and of course nemesis star trek nemesis more specifically uh had disappointing box office numbers and so they were like, mm, yeah, we're going to change the name. Which so that's why so, it became Apocalypse. Which that's the logic for movie people. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, there's another movie that had the name Nemesis in it. It's totally the reason why the it's movie totally. sucked or bombed was because yeah, it was called Nemesis. Yeah, because <laughs> honestly, this wasn't an apocalyptic thing. No, it wasn't. To the third one. Yeah. Extinction. Yeah, I mean, so, well, you could say at the end of the movie is when it became apocalyptic. Yeah. The place got blown up, but anyway. That's uh, wait, when they nuked this movie, though. Nuked. Like, yeah, when they the, the city, which, again, you know, uh, well, I guess we'll talk about our thoughts when we... Yeah. Uh, uh, people criticize the outfit choices by the women, given the situation. Uh, not explicit. Valentine's skimpy shorts. The, yeah, her skirt and her yeah. Well, in the dude, game, I, I for real like the outfit, but like the, the in the game with Jill Valentine, that was like her outfit and Nemesis. So I yeah. didn't care about that all that much. I actually well, liked Alice's outfit though, like the yeah, shorts and the and like how she had the swords and all that, or like all the weapons and stuff like that. I thought that, that was that pretty was cool. Actually, I mean, they could have even went skimpier than that if they wanted to but like it actually served a purpose with her outfit and then it was like the jill valentine one was more like fan service than anything else and it's kind of like with yuri and carlos and all them they were kind of like fan service in the movie too yeah they were well the thing with uh with jill's is yes it was the outfit she wore in the game but also they in the game she's ambushed by zombies in her apartment so she's she doesn't get time to put on something better. So, but in the movie, they're just like that's just what she chose to wear that day. But you know, and then they gave crap for the reporter Terry, and they're like, well, she's kind of a journalist, so she was covering a story, so she was also trying to escape. She was trying to escape the city, so why would she be wearing like riot gear or something? She's a reporter, so she's also just trying to get out of the city. Uh, but that's why they had the excuse for the heat wave to address some of the concerns. And this movie was shot in, no- in November in Toronto, which is funny, which they were cold so because they, they had to wear skimpy outfits. 
It yeah, was I'm the... sure that that would have sucked. Being in the skimpy outfits while it being cold as shit. <laughs> because, like, yeah. There, I'm sure it was probably uh, super, super cold. <laughs> That's the one time the person playing Nemesis is probably like, thank God I'm in this hot and heavy suit. I know, but... right? <laughs> he had so much prosthetics on. Good Lord. He was probably like, hey, I don't feel nothing. You know, that doesn't bother me at all. Because he had to have been in so much, huh? He probably still sweat his ass off, though. Oh, oh he yeah, probably did. did. I'm yeah. being, I just, uh, I'm just being facetious with the whole. He was probably loving it, living, loving it. Oh no! Uh, and the, you know. And, oh yeah. Cold inside that outfit, so he's no. Yeah, he's gonna be sweating his balls off. This was the last Resident Evil film to be released on VHS for you kids out there. And it was also the first one to be released on Blu-ray. So kind of cool. Nice. Josh, I, it was funny. I just got the movie just like 20 minutes ago because I noticed that it was on sale. So I was like, ooh. Oh, is it on sale? I already yeah. own it on video. Yeah, so most, it's like, most of them are like on sale for like $7.99. So yeah, I bought all that. Nice. I bought all six of them for 30 bucks. Or yeah, see, like, I'm not going to, like, if anything, I'm going to own the first three, maybe. Because, I mean, well, three it was good, but, like, it, it was, like, when it was, like, the start of the downhill slide of the Resident Evil movies, in my opinion. But this well, is I'm, by far my favorite one. So, it's like, shit, I didn't, don't have this one. That's as much as renting them. We're going to watch all of them for this podcast, so I figured I'd just buy them. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. It would cost just as much to rent the damn thing. It would, and you can. Um, you it's twenty nine ninety nine to get it in. Oh no, I don't want to actually. I already own it. Why would I buy it again? You you could get it in four. <laughs> you could get it in four K for tw- for thirty bucks. All six movies. Nice. Like. Yep, that's what I did this morning. I got the only one I need. I got it's three and four in standard. And everything else I got in HD, so uh, I need to get the other two in HD. And oh then I'll yeah, be, because Jeremy yeah. probably hasn't watched Welcome to Raccoon City yet either. The latest. Uh, no, I have not. Uh, because yeah, I don't I, think that's what the set. I think it I think it, uh, the final chapter is the last one in that one. Yeah. But uh, once again, I'm curious with the show too. On a side tangent, because it seems like it's. Uh, I thought that they were going to do stuff with like Jill and stuff, but it looks like it's in the f- future. So I don't know if that's, I'm going to like that at all. But uh, by far, out of the movies, this is my favorite one. Like, no matter what. Just because it starts off from jump, like, with the action, and it just never really, like... It gives you the, a nice, decent amount of, like, horror into it, but, like... It kind of gives you the feel of the third, like not so much of the second one for me, but I definitely feel the vibes from the third game, the third game in this movie. Because and the third game is my favorite. Like Nemesis is my favorite out of all of them, which a lot of people think that the second game is their favorite, but the third one for me, I don't know why. Probably just because, like, it scared the crap out of me running away from the nemesis the whole time. But, uh, like, it's by far my favorite Resident Evil movie. Or, like, game, I mean. 
Like game favorite, movie is pretty much my favorite. I, I think Resident Evil 2 is my favorite. The original Resident Evil 2. Nothing no well, hate that's against. What, that's what I'm saying. I mean yeah. the the remasters or like the remakes are good, but like Yeah, they're they're really good. Like the remake of the third one though, definitely a step down compared to Nemesis though. Just because of certain things. But that's why I say like the whole vibe that they had for this movie just hit like every vibe that I had from playing the game, like with the people that they had in the movie. And then uh, even with the nemesis, I liked how the nemesis harkened back to the first movie. Like, like I just loved a lot of the things that they did in this movie. And it makes sense because how it's a different director. <laughs> yeah. And, th- and this is the reason why um, the Paul W.S. Anderson, after you're not directing this one, that's why he went on to do the rest of them. Was because oh. of not, yeah. Because he was doing something else, right? Or something? Uh, I think at this he was time, filming a different movie. Yeah, he, was, he did something else during this time. Let's look him up real quick. Because I didn't I read that somewhere else. And let's see, Paul W. Sanderson. Uh, no. What was in 2000? What did I say? 2002 for this? I think so. Yeah, 2002. Resident Evil. Alien versus Predator was in 2004. Oh, yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. The first one, right? Where it had the yeah. black chick playing as the lead. I forgot. Yeah. Name. So I think I think he was directing this one instead of doing um instead of doing Resident Evil Apocalypse. And let's see. Well, I mean they probably offered him more money to do that too. Because they probably did. I mean, pro- more than likely. I mean, uh, but I mean still I, I definitely don't think he should have taken over the other movies. I think the, the director that did this one should have done all the other ones. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying, like, I don't know. The, this was the start of, like, turning Alice into, like, a beast, too. Yeah, this is when she... That, and that's mostly what, like, I hate about certain movies, though. Like, the later movies in the franchise... Like when we start talking about them like later on, it's just like kind of that they do in shows too, that they make them super overpowered and then they take the, they're like, oh shit, I got to take the power back a little bit. Like, oh, they're super overpowered. Like at the end where she's like killing the dudes with her brain pretty much. It's kind of yeah, like she that. Becomes... So, so it's like showing like she could just kill people with her mind practically and then it's like in the next one it's like they just have a reason why she doesn't do that all the time it's just like okay you're if you're gonna introduce crazy shit like that you should just like go full tilt <laughs> like i think about the movie uh what's it called crank when i think about that because like crank was just absurd at one point and then the second one just went a hundred and fifty percent more crazy than the first movie was. And I think that's what they should. Sh- and like, I don't think that they should pull the reins back on somebody and take their powers away for story reasons or whatever. And I think that's one of the things that I hated about these movies as a franchise. 
is that yeah. it seemed like there there was always a push and pull thing with her where they were like, oh, we got to show her to be the strongest out of them all. But then I can't get her too strong where she like there's like no story there, essentially. Yeah. But that's why I say that this is the best one because it shows like because I think it's like I don't remember how long she's uh, before she's even in the movie. I think it's like twenty or thirty minutes before she's yeah in them in the movie. Yeah, because they show up at a that she shows up at the church when the liquor when the liquor's coming in. Yeah. So, like, it, it gives them a certain amount, like, a long time before she even shows up. So, it's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I'm trying to think of another movie that does the same thing. Where, I mean, I also remember Metal Gear Solid 2, but it's in reverse order that way. <laughs> like, they did Solid Stake at the first, like, section, and then it went straight to somebody else. It kind of, like, works like that in opposite ways like yeah instead of just off the jump it shows alice and then cuts into uh jill and them it works the opposite way around yeah i just so let's see i just lost my train of thought because i'm tired um i actually what i really liked at this I, i like this movie i think i think mike epps has some of the best lines in this movie where he's like GTA motherfucker, and he starts yeah, running over the zombies. Over the zombies, yeah. <laughs> and then he gets just, and then he gets distracted by zombie stripper titties and wrecks his car. <laughs> and the dude with the uh, oh man, when they first like really show the nemesis where he has the minigun and he's taking out yes. the stars, yeah, members. Yeah, and then like him sitting there with both pistols just standing up, like it's like how in the fuck did he not get hit? Right. <laughs> with a minigun just going there and then they just and it really shows like it was like that he was just going for the stars members the whole time. Which yeah, I thought, I, that's why I thought that that was a little bam, just a little extra cherry on top on the storyline part where it was you like know what, he was uh, going after them. Do you know what STAR stands for? Uh, I don't remember the actual like uh, acronym. It, it stands for Special Tactics and Res- Rescue Service. Because I think they even had like most of the characters' names. Because it doesn't show up under under the cast part, but I think most of the people nah. that, they, that was in the Stars thing was supposed to represent most of the people that he killed in the third game too. Yeah, because in the third, the, th- the third game is where he's hunting down the stars, which is why he's after Jill. And he just every time you see him, he's like stars. Even though technically Jill was on suspension, and in the third game, it wasn't technically a star part of the stars team anymore. Did you know um, Claire was supposed to be in this movie? Uh, but they, yeah, they. They were going to have Claire Redfield in it, but she couldn't be in it because they the original actors dropped out. And then the second actors dropped out. So they're like, I guess we're not doing Claire. Which Oh, so oh, so who else is supposed to be in it? Just people from the first movie? 
Or just people uh, that were going to play as Claire in them? It was going to be, I think Claire and Jill were going to be in it. From I, I don't see anything where Jill wasn't going to be in it, but they wanted Claire. Uh, and then both actresses had to bow out for different re- basically the same reason. Uh, they just Well, one says scheduling conflicts. The other one didn't give a reason. So that's why she didn't show up until Extinction. Well, but, so supposed to be Ali Larder playing as Claire in the in this one supposedly too, or did no, they somebody else that they picked? They had two other actresses, uh, Gina Phillips and Emily Burgle were the two actresses they had cast, but they both dropped out. Well, I mean, it makes sense anyway. Kind of like it worked out for a good reason though, because otherwise it would have probably been bloated if they had another like if they had more stories with like somebody else yeah because i, I no. can't see them like taking out one of the other characters just to fit uh, you know like especially if they took out lj to have claire yeah lj i don't think it would have like worked as well <laughs> no L- lj's like lj's like my favorite character he got done dirty in the third movie which we'll talk about then but I do want this is for you, Josh, because I think you like this band. Did you know that two member, two former members of Evanescence are in the film? Really? Yeah. the The scene where they, the Carlos throws the knife into the infected infected person's head. That was former guitarist Bill. Or I'm sorry, Ben Moody. Why can't I read today? Oh, and, he was actually in the movie as a zombie. Yeah. And then the former drummer, Rocky Gray, is one of the infected in the mob that stormed the rooftop before the missile hits. So he's at the end of the movie. Okay, that's surprising. I wonder how in the hell they were able to pull that shit off. Yeah, I I thought you'd appreciate that. I haven't seen anything from Ben Moody or the, the other drummer in, like, anything since they left Evanescence. So that's just surprising to me. So, and it shows cut. like how much like effects that they put on somebody's face where it's hard for you to even tell who yeah, they are person because I remember what the dude looks like but obviously I never even knew that he was a zombie in the movie. <laughs> it's it's crazy, right? Oh, here's one more for you. Mike Epps act Snoop Dogg as LJ. Snoop was going to be oh, LJ, but he but he had that to bow out his, due to personal well, re- issues. That would have probably been Snoop's probably first movie, too, if that was the case. I think uh, Mike Epps did better, though, but I like it, Mike Epps, though, better. I like Mike Epps. <laughs> but, like, because I, I know that Snoop was in, he played, he was in Starsky and Hutch. He was also in a soul, was it called Soul Plane? Yeah, he was in Soul yeah. Plane, and then he was in my favorite movie with Snoop in it, which is How High with Wiz Khalifa in it. Yeah, that, I think... That, but, of course, Snoop Dogg in a movie about smoking weed all the time. <laughs> yeah. He was... He was smoked, like, baskets of weed. Yeah, he was, I think... Because, uh... Did, did, did. Uh, Starsky and Hutch came out the same year. Oh, so he probably just uh, did film that one instead. Probably. Maybe he wanted to be Huggy Bear more than LJ. But um, well, to me, I, do... I like this movie better than Starsky and Hutch. So, 
I never saw Starsky and Hutch, but the reason why I mean, it was all right, it was funny, but um, it wasn't great. Well, my thing my is, is they made they remade all these eighty shows and made them comedies when like they were ser- like serious or something like that. Because like Starsky and Hutch was a serious cop drama in the seventies, well, and then isn't Ben Stiller and like Owen Wilson? I think it was like Owen Wilson and. Ben Stiller playing Starsky and Hutch, I think. Yeah, and then they meet the original Starsky and Hutch in the film. Yeah, it's just weird because they don't seem like cops to me. <laughs> but ben Stiller. I, wow. Whatever. Uh, let's see. Going down uh, a rabbit hole, man. <laughs> yes. But while not mentioned in the film, uh, it is implied on newspaper clippings that Jill in Jill's apartment that she's serving a suspension for the events at the mansion and the Arkale mountains, thus making the first into the movie universe, although it appeared to have happened off screen. So there's, See, there's a little a, bit. That, that's the main thing for me between uh, these ones too, is that uh, I was wondering if they made it canonical, like, or well, I don't know if that's the word where uh, the first movie or the first game was in the same universe at like happened at the same time as the first movie did. And that's why they never like did a movie about the mansion that they were in or if they were supposed, because I took that the first movie was that they were in that mansion that Wesker and them went in, or at least that's when I was thinking when I was younger, I think this movie can't, when it was in, what was it, 2000 or something, when the first Resident Evil movie came out? Yeah, 2000... 2002? 2002. Yeah, so uh, once it called, I would have been... I'm trying to think how old I, I would have been. That's like an extra, like, 18... You'd like, be- in my 20s or something. Or, like, before 20 years that, old. It would have been uh, 20. Okay, yeah. So I'm like, I was still pretty young for it. So <sighs> thinking back on it, like it's just totally different. So I, I'm just thinking. Uh, so like, I just took it like that they were doing that mansion part, but now knowing that they do the stuff with Jill, and you're talking about the how it looks like she was suspended, it would yeah. probably make sense that there was two mansions. They told. Well, first movie in their own part, and then, uh, then all the other stuff was in their own timeline. Like Alice's stuff is in the same timeline as everything else. It's kind of like it's this the kind of way it is is like the first movie happens at the Spencer Mansion, then Resident Evil the game, the first game happens, and then Apocalypse happens. So it's like. It's like a different timeline, but the only thing that happens in both timelines is Resident Evil, the game, the oh, first game. So, so do you think that the, that was the Spencer Mansion that they were at in the first yeah, movie? It was, yeah, and, it was the Spencer. It, it was the before, same mansion. Uh, so it, it happened before the events of the first game. Yeah, the, the first, oh, the okay. first, yeah, the first... The, the first if if you want to look at the timeline for the movie universe, it goes Resident Evil two thousand two, then Resident Evil the game, and then Resident Evil's 
apocalypse, extinction, blah, 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 blah. And then up until the the worst one ever, the final chapter. Um, just one more quick thing, because the, the scene where Alice is running at the end of the movie while the chopper is firing at her and then cornered by umbrella troops, and then she drops down to the ground with the gun, shoots them and takes them out. That's actually almost shot for shot of the opening FMV of Claire Redfield and Resident Evil Code Veronica as she's infiltrating a umbrella facility in that game. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, yeah. the, thing, the things that you like don't you don't pay attention to until they say something like that. You wouldn't think about it unless you actually played the game. But I mean, I haven't played. Like I think I played that game like, oh man, it's been a while since I don't even remember barely even playing that game now. Mostly because I mean it was an okay game compared to like all the others in the franchise. I would say that that's probably near the bottom for me. Which one? Uh, Code Veronica. <laughs> Code Veronica. I like Code Veronica. I mean, I'm. Let me just say, I don't think anything. I'm like probably the bottom of the barrel for Resident Evil games is Resident Evil 6 just because they were I think it was too ambitious and they were trying way too many different damn things not saying that it was bad either like telling four different stories in the same game is a difficult thing to do and how all of them had a certain vibe to it is a difficult thing to pull off but like it's like six and then code Veronica for me. And then it's like Resident Evil five. And then it goes up from there. Like goes up from there. Yeah. It's like, uh, I would still say nemesis is probably my favorite. Then it's probably, uh, I'm like, it would probably be a tie for Resident Evil two and four after that. And then I really like, uh, eight and seven a lot. That's what I'm saying. Most of the Resident Evil games I really like, <laughs> especially Village, shocked me like how good that game is. <laughs> I just I'm like the uh, the innovation that they did in the game compared to like the other ones. I just really yeah. enjoyed. But that's what I'm saying. Like I liked that all of them as a whole, but those are like my least favorite ones because I don't really remember most of the stories on both of those games <laughs> especially in the fifth one how chris like uppercuts a boulder and drops it into lava <laughs> <laughs> that was the start of like them being full-on absurd in their video games <laughs> like they're just like okay let's try other shit and you're hey there's this huge boulder i'm just gonna punch it into lava okay <laughs> But yeah, like that's why I say like the games are all good anyway, and then it's kind of cool seeing the correlation where like you see them in the movies, but then you didn't like, especially unless you played the game and paid attention to the the sequences, you would never know that that would be like straight out of the game. I feel you. It's um. I was looking for something here. I was going to look at. So I, I have more trivia, but I'm just going to uh, list, list some things I thought about, and then we can start what our thoughts on the movie were. Um, I wonder how um, 
how the people that got out of Raccoon City and or Umbrella would describe what happened to the city. Because I wonder if the meltdown theory was always the cover story once the hive was breached and the outbreak started. Like, would, was that always the plan? And if and if Jill and Carlos are all over the news, then how did they did they explain them being able to pose as umbrella agents to get in the facility? However, I understand why Isaac lets Isaac lets them go since he could track Alice via the changes they made to her. But also, how long did it take for the world to fall apart from the virus? We we see that parts of Resident Evil Extinction are we we see that parts of that are ignored in later movies. So, but then, but I think the movie takes place several years after. They never explain what happens to Dr. Ashford's daughter, Angie. Um, I think in the novelization, it stated that she was killed by Alice when she was under the control of Umbrella. But I've never read the novel. And Angie was the one that was the robot, right? Angie was the little girl. Well, I mean, like, the the one that they showed in the first game, or the first movie, the one that's the the hologram, isn't that based around her, though? Or did it's I po- get that wrong? No, I think it was supposed to be based on her. Based on her. I think the Red Queen was supposed to be based on her, but I think something changed, because I remember reading that some recently when I was doing the research for this, but I just didn't write it down. Um. But honestly, uh, I'm sure that probably Umbrella, if they're run like a certain organization, I'm sure that they probably had fail-safes all over the place just in case something like that would happen. And it's kind of like the military. You don't think that the military probably, if they had the same certain circumstance to like, uh, like say like if the same thing happened that they wouldn't try to do the same thing where they wouldn't just nuke it and just say oh yeah like a fuel main broke or something like that you know yeah cause like I like how easily Umbrella discredits the the reporters the reporter video that they spread to the media <clears throat> Yeah, it's just, it's like, I love this movie though. This movie, none of the Resident Evil movies are great. Like, you're not, you don't go to a Resident Evil movie. Like, I'm gonna watch some like great science fiction or like this masterpiece of cinema. You go, you go to movies like Resident Evil because you want to watch pop, eat popcorn, and watch a fun movie. And forget about things for like Especially a couple Especially if you like horror movies or action movies at the same time. Or at least like some where it has like a blend of that. Like um, I'm trying to think of other like other ones that came out of the ra- uh, uh, right around the same time was like it was this and then Underworld. I think there's another one that I'm thinking of too but I can't remember it offhand. But there was a uh, few of them where they were just straight up like actiony horror movies that came out at around the same time. The main ones that I remember was like Resident Evil and then uh, Underworld and stuff, where they were doing vampires and werewolves and stuff. But it was like all actiony related, but also like had a horror theme in it. Didn't Van Helsing come out in two thousand four as well? It was around that time, yeah. 
Yeah, this was. I was just thinking of franchises, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Underworld franchise started. Yeah, Van Helsing came out in 2004, too, with Hugh Jackman. So this was like the, the growing, the trend was like these type of movies, horror action. And then there was Van Helsing. There was the Underworld series that got started about this time. And I and I know that Silent Hill at one point was made shortly thereafter too. And yeah, because Underworld it was came right out when they were doing like a bunch of horror movies that they were redoing or like starting as movies. It was like Silent yeah. Hill after that, and then it was like I'm trying to think of other ones. Damn. I know that there's yeah. like a few other ones too, but yeah, Silent Hill. Offhand. Silent Hill came out in 2006, and then Underworld was in 03. So this was like kind of the trend with the fill of these movies. Like they all had that certain aesthetic. Even Blade Two kind of had the same feel to it. Like oh yeah, and by far Blade Two is my favorite like Blade movie. Good lord, I like Blade Two. Yeah, because Blade so Two. Good. Because <laughs> Blade 2 came out in, in 02 as well, so the same year as Resident Evil. And so, like, they all felt like they had this, like, certain style to it. They all did. Yeah, and by Blade 3 sucked. I never saw Blade 3, and I'm glad I didn't because I've heard it say. You would call it Blade Trinity. See, I mean, I'm on the other elk where I thought it was okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, uh, okay, like, I always like movies where they have like oh like a group of people going uh, it's like this movie how it has like a group of them going against like a bunch of baddies and uh, the only thing that I hate is like all of them like slowly get killed and that's the only thing that I hate about certain movies like this is like they do stuff where they're fighting off people but that they always like not like most of them like survive at the end or whatever it's always like one or two people always at the end, like no matter what. And like, there's barely anybody where it's like, oh, five or six people win or something like that, you know? Yeah, this like the and... only one that I saw where a lot of them would survive at the end was like Scream. Like, really? I mean, like, the main people that you thought were gonna eventually die at one point didn't die like Dewey and stuff like that, you would have thought that at one point something would have happened. <clears throat> and then he's and like most of them survived throughout the whole movie, which is surprising. And which times. is funny, which is funny because originally Dewey was supposed to die, but they're like, they, they were going to kill him off and then they decided to keep him alive. Which I mean, it was a good call for me, but, uh, that, but that's why I say, like, that, uh, I always like ensemble movies. So, like, whenever I, I, I watch uh, Blade of Trinity or whatever, sure, it wasn't to the caliber as the second film uh, of Blade 2 or whatever, but, like, and the bad guy wasn't nearly as good, but, like, I liked Ryan... Re I like a lot of Ryan Reynolds in my movies anyway. I, uh, I don't know why. Probably because his sense of humor is pretty funny, but uh, like I just like how he quips and all that stuff, but like he was the like I didn't really care for Jessica Beale all that much in the movie, but I still didn't find it to be terrible. I thought it was okay at best. It's not like one that is like really good, but like 
if I see it on TV or something, I'll watch it. <laughs> like I'll leave it on. So I feel you. Um, what was everyone's favorite part of this movie? Of Resident uh, Evil, I would say probably the church scene when he uh, when they explode. <laughs> <laughs> explode the I think it was the liquor that they explode yeah they the liquor the, where they do the slow-mo uh, bullet thing that's like one of the be- uh, like best things to me I just like that whole vibe of the prison, though. are you moving your lapel mic around or something no my I'm I'm trying to adjust my earbud oh okay yeah, I forgot that you know, that's what happens because we could hear it when you move it around. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's hurting my ear for some reason. Well, that's why I usually get the over-the-ear ones. Well, I have, I have these are like Sony earbuds. They're, they're fine. It's just it's just for some reason it's bothering me today. You Last, uh, last time I used them, they didn't bother me. But Jeremy, what, what part, what was your favorite part of this movie? Same part. The, the church scene? Yeah, that's why I didn't say anything. Uh, you're good, you're good. I like I like the church scene. What's that? No, I was just saying from my standpoint, though, this was what I expect. This movie was what I expected out of a Resident Evil movie. The first one wasn't. I think I mentioned that in the, um, the previous podcast that we talked about the first one. That it didn't, the first one really didn't come off as a Resident Evil movie that much. And, but this one did. Like it, that's what I expected. So it was a much better. But this one was a much better film. And the funny Maybe. thing I read about the reviews, though, it was like the lowest reviewed movie of all of them. Which is weird because it's yeah. like I think it's like one of the best one. I think it's the best one out of the series. So like, they're I, saying that that it was like their least favorite, or just yeah. that it wasn't reviewed a whole lot. No, it was the lowest reviewed. I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it got 19% or some shit. Wow. Yeah, it's so... Which, it's, that's uh, insane compared to the other movies in the franchise. Well, yeah, I think Nightfall or something like that was not... Or was... Nightfall. <laughs> fucking hate that movie. <laughs> I know, we're, we're gonna try to, like, weasel in the Nightfall shit, like, in every podcast now. Well, that's Just because... at least shit on it for one time. <laughs> well, yeah. well, it was more in comparison to, uh, the percentages. If you look at it, the 70% was what it got. So to say that, um... Resident Evil Apocalypse, let's see. Nineteen percent critics, sixty percent audience score. So if that tells you anything. I I learned a long time ago that critics the wrong critic critics don't seem to watch the same movies as normal people do. Or they, like I don't get it, yeah, because like sixty percent audience score, which means half of people liked it. Um how did Extinction get a higher critic score, twenty five percent, compared to like nineteen percent when, when the fan, most of the fans hated, hated Resident Evil Extinction, hated it. Yeah, that's why I don't focus on the reviews and stuff. 
It's well, I don't think some people just like I don't know, just say that they, it sucks, just to say that it sucks a lot of the time. I was just yeah. kind of crazy when you look at that and you see that what we've reviewed in the past, um, in comparison, this was a Speak- much better movie than a lot of much them. better movie. Speaking of Nightfall. Emmanuel Levy from EmmanuelLevy.com gave Nightfall three out of five stars. I don't know who that guy is, but I have no respect for you because he gave this movie three to have three stars. That, that's three I out of five that, stars. That's the and that's the main thing about movies, though. It's very and decisive for a bunch of people. But I like I, I talked to a, a people before where they said that they didn't understand the plot of Fight Club, like. Uh, I don't get that. I was like, you got to be a dummy to not understand what Fight Club was. I know that it's like something where you have to watch it more than once, but like yeah. that's why I say like these movies are super simple, right? Like they're they're just like, oh, okay, so you got to get away from these people. And then I liked how like they explained who the nemesis was. How and that's why I say that it harkened back to the first film. Was and then I uh, liked how like he fought off the, I guess you could say indoctrination, for like why he was going after the stars members in the first place. Was, yeah, he like, fought at it. At one point, when he saw Alice, he fought against it, and then he was able to fight against them the whole time, which I thought was awesome. And I liked how they did like. I mean, it sucked knowing that he pretty much went out of pussy ways out kind of thing where it just like ex- uh, took an explosion and then they just never mentioned him again. Yeah. But like, I just liked how it was like they even did a redemption arc for the nemesis when they when they found out who it was and stuff like that. I thought that was cool that they even told that in this movie. Like, instead of, because they could have just not done anything and then had it just be the nemesis that he was taking out at the end of the day, or that they were yeah. going to, like, take him out. But no, they had the balls to explain it, like, he was the one that was in the first movie that they took off and uh, took away with when they took Alice away, right? And then they uh, they explained like he he just fought it the whole time and then just went after the people that indoctrinated him, and I thought that was a cool little thing that they didn't necessarily have to put in the movie. Yeah, I like how he was able to reclaim his humanity. And I think it's mainly because he saw Alice, though. Like, yeah, because if he didn't see Alice, I don't think he would he would have just kept on doing his thing. But knowing that he saw Alice, I think that's the main reason why he remembered his memories and stuff. Or at least that's the way that it just seemed like it was playing out. Like, could tell he even looked the nemesis. Look, what I remember the nemesis looking like in the game too. Oh yeah, he was very, very like it looks like he it looks like the nemesis. The only difference is it's probably. In the game, he's like a lot taller than they made him out to be in the movie, but because it looks like he might be like six, some six foot six or some shit, or like taller than that in the game. But like, but I mean, also at the same time, you're like looking at Jill Valentine, and I think she's supposed to be like five nine or something. Yeah, he's huge. I just, I did. 
I, <laughs> for one, my favorite part of this movie was uh, probably LJ. All the stuff where he's talking, all his lines are the best. Where he's like, you can call me LJ given the informal situation. <laughs> and it, the, of course, the previously mentioned GTA motherfuckers. If you watch this movie on the sci-fi channel, the way they edit it, it's hilarious. Because, you know, he's saying GTA motherfuckers. But in the in the sci-fi channel edit, he's like GTA mother truckers. So he's like truckers. He's saying truckers. And then the scene where he's like with the stars, and they're like, "Do you have a gun?" He's like, "Man, my shit is custom." And he has the gold the gold guns. And um, yeah. And in, in the sci-fi channel version, he's like, "Man, my stuff is custom." It's like it's 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 really bad dubbing. But it's just, it's hilarious. Well, I mean, most uh, of the, like a lot of dubbing that they do for like on cable channels, it's just pretty funny. It's, like, it's, Die it's Hard's a, like oh, one of the oh, Die, things. Die Hard with a Vengeance, the TV edit. Oh my gosh. Um, this to me, LJ's being dubbed is like up there, right with, um, right up there with, uh, with the uh, McLean changing out his cuss words in the time where he gives rips Dennis Franz's character a new butthole. It's insane. Um, I love this movie. I think, I think, I think this movie out of the whole series, this one does a better job of interpreting the source material. In my opinion, while the, while the first movie had callbacks to the games and stuff, as far as like doing one thing, another thing happens. I think this one, this one was better. All the stronger movie, like there, I don't think there was as much story in this one. It was more action horror, which is fine. I mean, just be what you know, be what it's supposed to. Let it be what it's supposed to be. Um, the other thing I don't get is the zombies, the zombies, the undead trying to attack them in the graveyard. So they never talked anything about the virus getting into the, the water table on the ground. And so there's no reason why the, the already dead would, would come back and try to escape their graves. That, that makes no sense. Cause then they would have to break through the coffins. You well, know, if that's the only bad thing out of this movie, or well, like the dumb uh, thing where you're just like, I don't understand it, then I, I think that's that, a pretty good thing. Yeah, yeah I thought the same, watching that part, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, we're talking about zombies anyway, so, you know. They're probably like, man, these people haven't been attacked in two minutes. Send yep. in the zombies! Yep. <laughs> yep. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, I, I was thinking that they were just like, oh, well, we gotta kill some people or have them attack more zombies, so here you go. <laughs> here's here's a goof I found. Uh, character error, error. This is on IMDb. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna go back to it, because I was, I was looking up some of the other movies. But this is this is something about Jill Valentine. So, Terry, the reporter... And this, I'm going to read it. I'm going to quote. I'm going to read it word for word. Terry's death is entirely Jill's fault. Being a trained and seasoned police officer, she would never send a clearly unprepared and vulnerable civilian to go off alone, armed with a handgun she doesn't even know how to use, 
in a building potentially filled with zombies, no less. Especially after she showed numerous times prior that she can't fight and easily panics. Furthermore, she would never suggest that the three of them, Jill, LJ, and Terry, split up to search the school. Which, maybe LJ and her split up because she knows LJ's probably got street smarts. But this, this person, whoever wrote this goof, is completely correct. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, on a side note, I was just sitting there thinking about this. You know how we were talking about the tomato score on uh, yeah. this one? Well, another one that has a similar name, X-Men Apocalypse, has a 46% tomato meter on there. How does that have a better tomato meter, uh, the Rotten Tomato score, than this movie does? <laughs> like that movie was trash, man. I uh, didn't like Apocalypse. Well, Resident Evil. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, I, I, it was just a random thing that I just saw. That I was just like, it's kind of funny how it has the same name, but knowing that they uh, they just have a better score. And I'm like, how does that have a better score? That just shows that uh, how des- uh, divisive movies are, though. Like, how some people can like a trash movie more than others and stuff like that. Which, eventually, we should talk about Troll 2 at one point. <laughs> Troll 2. Oh, my God. They're going to eat them, then <laughs> eat me. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> just, oh, my God. That scene is just so dumb. So dumb. But just because the guy's acting performance on it, exactly. Oh, oh, Uh, I love this movie. If anybody hasn't watched this movie, you should watch it. It's just if you watch, if you watch any any of the Resident Evil movies, watch this one. Watch well, watch the first one so you can introduce the Alice. But definitely watch this one. This is the best one out of the series. If we were to do Rest in Peace, Rise from the Grave, or, you know, do that with this one, Let It Die, this one would definitely be Rest in Peace, because this movie's fine. Um, It doesn't need to be rebooted, at least not in the same vein as movies get rebooted. It's it's fine the way it is. It's the best Resident Evil film. It is, and even show or whatever. Even compared to like some of the animated movies that I've seen them do, this is the best one, hands Uh, down to me. Just Uh, because it gives you that Resident Evil vibe to me. I'll give. Watch the rest of them because I haven't seen them all. Like these are the only two. Oh, you've only you haven't seen the rest of them. Okay. Um, The final chapter is the only one that I haven't seen. But it's mostly I, because Afterlife burnt me out on this franchise. <laughs> like, after I watched Afterlife, I was like, yep, nope, I'm not watching the next one. <laughs> I, 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 you know, the first one I bought on Blu ray was Afterlife. I have it as a, I think I have it as a steel book. <laughs> oh my God. When we start talking about that one, I got a lot of things to say about that movie. <laughs> I, I'm i not going to hate it. I'll, I will save it for that time, but this one you should definitely watch. 
we're gonna go the next all the next um sci-fi graveyards are gonna be the resident evil series up and including welcome to raccoon city and boy oh boy cannot what can I not wait to talk about that one? I'll probably have more to say. It's kind of easier to pick apart the bad movies than the ones we like because you're kind of like, I don't want to make fun of the ones I like, you know, or well, I, I enjoy it. And I try to like think of it as like, I'm going to like nitpick the stuff that I would normally do, but I, I still like even most of the nitpicking that I do on like this one or like the first one or whatever i still yeah. love the movie for what it is i mean like that's what i'm saying there's like it's whenever you make a list for pros and cons and stuff and then you see like all the pros are like outweighing the cons it's kind of like that type of thing it's like some of yeah. these movies they have a lot of cons in them but they're just still more pros than there are cons yeah cuz this 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 movie isn't like this movie, like I said about this movie, isn't this like cinematic masterpiece? But it's not supposed to be. It's a popcorn film, and the thing that gets me mad is like some of these critics are like, blah blah blah. I like you can just watch a movie just to watch and enjoy a film. Nothing, not everything has to be this great introspective piece of cinema. Like it doesn't all have to be, you know, this great look at this at the inner workings of the human mind or talk about some social issue or this or that, like movies can be fun. And I think that's what people forget. I think they forget people movies can be fun. And to me, this is a fun film. The acting's fine. It, the action's really good. Is there a lot of er character errors and stuff in it? Yeah. I mean, Jill totally got that reporter killed, got her ate by children. So, like, but I still love the movie. This is my favorite out of the series. Um, this would definitely be rest in peace because it does not need to be touched. It's fine just the way it is. It's enjoyable. I think Jeremy and Josh agree with me on that one. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> but we'll come back and we'll be discussing Resident Evil Extinction, which starts a huge departure for the, the Resident Evil franchise. And... Um, I actually look forward to talking about that one because it will actually be like a better conversation because I think we'll, I think for that one we'll have more to say. Yeah. So anything, any any last minute ads anyone would like to do? Uh, nope. <laughs> All right. So for Josh and Jeremy, I'm Joseph. Thank you for listening to Sci-Fi Graveyard. And if you like this, Check out some of the other podcasts hosted by the Hardy Geek, which would be Screen Creeps, Wrestling with the Willies, and um, <laughs> and then Morbid Morbid Instinct. Instinct. Sorry, I made myself laugh, so I saw my share of thought. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, y'all had to laugh a giggle at the Wrestling <laughs> with the Willies. <laughs> but oh anyway, Peter. Peter, I can't, I can't do the yeah, I can't do the uh, the voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, everyone, have a good night and thanks for listening. Bye. Hello. Before we get started with this episode of Sci-Fi Graveyard, I just want to let you know that I am also part of another podcast called Out the Airlock, where we also discuss science fiction films and decide if they should be thrown out the airlock 
or Rush to the Med Bay. If you like Sci-Fi Graveyard, please give that a listen. It is out the airlock, and it is also on Anchor, Spotify, and Amazon. And now to Sci-Fi Graveyard. <laughs>